Hey everybody, this is Dr. Mark List with another episode of the Primary Care Podcast. Before we get into it today, as you know, we start off with a joke from the Pod at gmail.com inbox. That's where you can send me messages, notes, uh, uh, messages, emails, whatever you want to do. Uh, today's joke comes from an anonymous listener. Hey Dr. List, people told me I'd never be good at poetry because I'm dyslexic. But so far I've made three jugs in a vase and they turned out pretty lovely. That's a terrible dyslexia joke. Oh, all right. Let's start the podcast. The Primary Care Podcast is written and edited by a family physician for an audience of other physicians, nurse practitioners, physicians, assistants, residents, and medical students interested in primary care topics. This is not a podcast for patients and should not be used as medical advice. This is also a personal podcast produced on my own time and solely reflecting my personal opinions. Statements of this podcast do not reflect the views or policies of my employer, past or present, or any other organization with which I may be affiliated. Thank you for listening to the Primary Care Podcast. I'm Dr. Mark List, here to bring you the latest news, guidelines, and updates from primary care sources around the globe. Keeping it under 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and I'm not that smart. Well, welcome back, pod girls, pod boys, pod people. It is your pod doc, Dr. Mark List. Um, today, we're going to talk about a really quick article, actually. So, you know, I've said this before, American Family Physician, the AFP magazine. Um, I, I don't necessarily always read it. A lot of them are just uh, general review articles that sometimes are somewhat helpful. But one of the things that I really love about this journal is they have a section, usually towards the very end, called P-O-E-M's, poems. I call them poos, but patient-oriented outcomes, uh, or in their case, patient-oriented evidence that matters. Um, I've made that joke many times. It's a bad joke. Everyone's sick of me saying that joke, so I'm just going to move on. Um, in this episode, uh, sorry, in this article, which was uh, their March edition, there were actually a couple of really good uh, poems. And one was that... Um, you know, in our clinic, we are doing PHQ-9s pretty much on everybody uh, for universal depression screening because USPFTF recommends it. What's interesting in this article is they talk about, which I did not know, that the UK and Canadian Task Force, who are the USPSTF equivalents, do not recommend universal depression screening. And in this article, um, or in this poem, the authors actually talk about how they uh, estimate that 77% of PHQ-9s that are 10 or above are actually false positives and that only a small portion of those true positives will actually have moderate to severe depression that will necessitate drug treatment. And so basically, uh, we're doing a lot more work than we need to be, yada, yada, yada. So that was not the poem that I wanted to talk about. The poem that I actually wanted to talk about uh, and yeah, I have lots of thoughts about that and how we have to do universal depression screening on everybody. And it's probably actually causing more annoyance than good, but whatever, I, that's not going to change anytime soon based on my organization. So the article that I wanted to talk about was six common abdominal symptoms and their predictive values. Basically, which patients with which vague abdominal symptoms should need further workup? for either cancer or inflammatory bowel disease, right? And so this is great because a very common complaint in primary care is somebody comes in with vague abdominal symptoms, and then it's your job to figure out not only what's going on, but what's actually serious versus something, or what's something that we can just, you know, wait and see if time heals it, or if it's dietary, or if it's just lifestyle changes, or if it's secondary to psychosomatic complaints, et cetera, or if it, there's something else to be worried about. So in this, they worked up, uh, they looked at 
uh, electronic health data of 1.9 million patients in the UK over a 17-year period, and they looked at patients that had at least one positive vague abdominal symptom. And then subsequently within the calendar year, whether they were diagnosed with cancer, inflammatory bowel disease, et cetera, something, something bad that needed further workup and evaluation. Uh, median age of the people of the people with these uh, diagnoses that were found a year later were 54 to 63 years, right? So that's, um, again, a high risk. So here are the things that you should not miss. If you have an adult male, and again, not female, but an adult male who has dysphagia, that needs a referral. If an adult male has changes in bowel habits, that should be a referral. If you have an adult female with new onset rectal bleeding, that should trigger a referral. And finally, any abdominal pain, any, sorry, any new abdominal pain, any new changes in bowel habits or dyspepsia in patients older than 60 years should be evaluated because they predict cancer or inflammatory bowel disease in more than 3% of men and women with those new symptoms. Okay. So when they looked at changes in bowel habits of all men, they found a cancer diagnosis in 4.6% of those cases, which is pretty high compared to the what you'd expect for the general population. So 4.6% of men older than 60, uh, men, adult men, not even 60 years or older, but adult men. So definitely worrisome. When they looked at cases of dysphagia, again, in all adult men, dysphagia was associated with cancer in 4.28%. So 4.3% of cases of dysphagia in adult men, and specifically usually esophageal cancer. In women, erectile bleeding was the greatest predictor of cancer in 2.3% of cases of rectal bleeding for women. Again, and that's hard to say, like, my big issue with this with this study specifically is rectal bleeding in women, I, I mean, hemorrhoids, right? Almost always hemorrhoids as a diagnosis. But because it's the first sign of cancer, the greatest predictor of cancer, the greatest predictor of cancer in women was 2.3% of cases, uh, and 2.5% of cases had inflammatory bowel disease. They say make sure that you consider referral for further workup. Dyspepsia was the least likely with a uh, worrisome sign or symptom with all these. Um, if you were over the age of 60, dyspepsia and older than 60 was only associated with cancer or inflammatory bowel disease combined less than 2% of the time. And uh, changes in bowel habits in 60 years or older was associated with just over 3% of cancer diagnoses. So again, uh, to recap, quick, quick little uh, article. But uh, in all adult men, any changes in bowel habits should be concerning and dysphagia, very concerning in adult women. Seriously worry about rectal bleeding, especially if there's no evidence of hemorrhoidal uh, causes of rectal bleeding. And then in 60 plus year olds, any new onset abdominal pain, any changes in bowel habits or dyspepsia that is new should be very worrisome. Um, again, a couple of those I have issues with because, again, uh, unicorns are still unicorns and horses are still horses. And so uh, even though 2% can absolutely be colon cancer and another 2% can be inflammatory bowel disease, still means that 95% of cases are not going to be serious and are likely just going to be 
you know, a type of colitis, but more probably hemorrhoidal bleeding. Um, I think that's still important to keep in mind, but I think that these key symptoms are important to remember to be worried about that the chance of real disease causing real issues is still pretty high. So hopefully this was a nice little uh, refresher of a poem that you might not have read, a patient-oriented outcome, a poo that you may not have read. Uh, but this has been, I, I throw the uh, as I throw the magazine in the trash can there, uh, this has been Dr. Markless for the Primary Care Pod, reminding you you don't need to stay up all night to stay up to date. Thanks. Have a great week. Bye.